Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to begin with number 495. 495, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. For I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Let's stand as we worship the Lord tonight. Come to the Lord now, please, in prayer, seeking His face for our service tonight. Our loving Father, we are thankful again for another opportunity we have of being in the evening service, the Lord's Day. And dear Father, as we have committed this new year into Your hand, so we commit every day, every detail of service, every opportunity we can be together, Father, We come in Jesus' holy name, and we present ourselves afresh. And Lord, tonight is no different. We need to know the ministering of the Spirit of God to our hearts. We come, Lord, to pray for His help in every part of our service. We ask, dear Lord, that we will be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We will grow daily in grace. We will grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And that, Father, we will have a deeper and broader, greater understanding of the magnitude and majesty of the God with whom we have to do. Lord, when we think about such a phrase as the glory of the Father, we are are unable... Lord, to comprehend what that means. And yet, Father, 
we do give thanks and rejoice that You have made known to us through our Lord Jesus the majesty and the might and the glory in the face of Christ. And though we have not seen Him in the physical, yet, Lord, we have seen Him in the spiritual. And we have received by faith. And dear Lord, tonight, I pray that every single believer, that all of us will be strengthened in our faith, that we will not succumb to the temptations of the evil one, we will not give in to discouragements, despondency, worry, and fear, that all of those things will be gone from us, and that we will step forward each day in the joy and rejoicing of the fellowship that we have with our God. Lord, we are Your people, as weak and as faltering as we are, and yet, Lord, we come and present ourselves and say, here we are, Lord, make use of us in whatever way pleases You. We ask, Father, that we will be taken and taken up to be made useful in the extension of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we hear and think often of what's going on around us, of the urgency of the time, of the lateness of the hour, of the time that we are to be about the Master's business, because it seems, Lord, that we are in the last of the last days. And whatever that means, and however we are to interpret it, Father, I pray that we will we'll be ready, be waiting and watching, and we will be ready for service for our Master, Lord, whatever You want us to do, wherever You take us and call us to be useful in the kingdom of Christ, then we pray, Father, we will be equipped and we will be ready and we will be able to serve and do what is required of us. But Lord, we also know that whenever we have done all, all that is required of us, We are yet unprofitable servants. And Lord, we long and look for that day when we shall be without sin. That day when we shall see our Savior face to face. And when we see Him, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. And then all of the limitations of this earthly frame will be taken from us. All, Lord, of those things that keep us back from serving instantly and fully and completely will be gone. For we will be in glory. Dear Father, I pray that until that day comes, until we are called to leave this earth, that we will be about the Master's business in every detail, in all that we put our hands to do, that, Lord, we will glorify and magnify and lift up our Lord Jesus. Lord, let us see and know less and less of our old self, of the old nature in man, that we might grow in likeness to the Lord Jesus, that we will have the fruit of the Spirit mixed in our life, blossoming forward and so that others that see us and come in contact with us will know that we have been with Christ. 
Oh God, have mercy upon us, we pray, and propel us forward. Let us go on being strengthened daily. And that, Father, You would make a use of us and bless us in this fellowship, in this church. Lord, I pray that we will be knitted close together. We will be joined in the bond of love and peace. And that Satan will not be able to get a wedge of division in any way in between us. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Make use of us, we pray. Bless the ministry of our school. We think as it recommences tomorrow, and all of the staff and students will be gathered once more. Dear Lord, go in front of every one. We pray for the outpouring of Your Spirit mightily upon that ministry, to help every one that is engaged in it with heart and soul and mind and strength, and that, Lord, Your Spirit would so hover over our ministry that we would be evident that Christ is in the midst, and that young students that do not know the Savior yet would come to trust in Him very early, and those who make profession of faith, that they would be cemented in the faith, that they would be, Lord, grounded and rooted in Christ, and so that their lives would make a difference, and they would be good citizens and faithful servants in our generation. Dear Lord, remember those who are set aside because of illness tonight, and they cannot be in our service. We pray again for those that we often name. We present them, Lord, earnestly, and we ask for Your kind and gracious and loving hand to be upon each one of them. Bless them abundantly. Remember again Brother Bodner and Brother Cranston. Keep Your hand upon them and strengthen them. Lord, we do think of the upcoming services next Lord's Day, Friday night in Orlando, for the ordination of our brother Logan Elder. Father, bless Your servant. Be with that congregation. Be with that special meeting. And may we be very conscious of the the Lord Jesus with us there. And then, Father, in Dominican, we pray for Brother Raymond Sosa and his dear wife, his daughters, their congregation. Bless them abundantly, and may this be a very high time for them as well. And a stepping forward, defeat the devil. Do not allow him to get the upper hand. We pray that work may be prospered there in both those centers, and the joy and blessing of Christ would be there. Remember our churches without under-shepherds also in Cloverdale and Phoenix and Fredericton. Bless them all. We pray that very soon all of these centers would know and have under-shepherds there to help and to bless them in their way. So, Father, hear our prayer tonight. Encourage our hearts. Bless the Word of the Lord to our hearts this evening as well. We pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Number 414, 414, Revive Us Again. And that's a good prayer that we would join in our hearts to sing unto the Lord. Standing, please, to sing.
Now, before you sit down, you're singing very well tonight. And as we sing through the first three verses, you'd almost wonder why the hymn is entitled Revive Us Again. There's only one phrase or one line at the bottom of the chorus. Well, that's the theme that is being spoken and sung about tonight. But the last verse says again, Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Is that not the desire that we have as God's people? That's really what revival is, you know. It's that we will come into a closer, real, living relationship with our Savior. We will know His presence and communion with God constantly. We will be walking, in a sense, in a third heaven, communicating with Him on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. Well, that's what it is. Sometimes we think about praying for revival in something that is going to magically come upon the church. But when we think about praying for the reviving of the Lord, we are asking that God would do that deep, lasting work in our heart, revealing the Lord Jesus more to us moment by moment as we live. And so that's what this is all about, filling our hearts with divine love with an abundant portion of the Savior with us. Let's sing this final verse again, verse 4. Turning tonight, please, for our congregational reading to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Uh, 1 Timothy 2. We're going to read the first eight verses of this portion of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul writes, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior." who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. May God bless His Word unto our hearts tonight as we have read. 
Very happy that you're here in our evening service tonight. The Lord once more gives us grace and the opportunity of being in His house, in His place, with those of like precious faith. And we rejoice for everyone who's here. And if you're visiting with us in person or online, you've come back again, we want you to know you're very, very welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you, please, of some important ministry that's going on this incoming week. It's a busy week for us in our congregation, and that's a good thing in many ways. On Tuesday evening, it will be the ladies' Bible study via Zoom at 7 p.m. This was the meeting that was to take place in December, but for other meetings, it had to be pushed aside and some weather-related issues. But nonetheless, ladies, come along one, uh, Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. and join into that fellowship via Zoom. And if you don't have that link yet, you send us an email that will come up on the screen if you're online, and we'll be sure that you can join in with us on that ladies' Bible study. Wednesday night, the prayer meeting and fellowship and a study of the Word and prayer, and there will be the Sunday school staff prayer time on Wednesday evening. On Thursday, our session and board will meet at 6 and 7.30. And then next Lord's Day, uh, I'll be away for the weekend down in Orlando for Friday evening, the installation and ordination of Mr. Logan Elder, who is taking up the call and the cause of the work in Orlando. And that's a cause for great rejoicing for that congregation. So pray for them, pray with them, and that the Lord's Spirit would be upon Brother Elder from the very commencement of his ministry. And then we go from there Saturday morning, flying down to Dominican Republic for the special ordination and installation of Mr. Raymond Sosa in the church in Dominican. And that is also a great blessing. We're looking forward to that and the time of fellowship, and just to see the work, and to see the people there, and it will encourage us to pray more earnestly for them. And I hope to bring you a report of those two services the following Wednesday evening in the prayer time. Brother, Brother Golliher, Ian Golliher, will be preaching next Lord's Day morning, God willing, and then Brother Diderno, Frank Diderno, in the evening service. So please keep all of these things in your prayers and also remembering our upcoming week of prayer from January 23rd to the 27th. Keep that week aside before the Lord. Our school starts again tomorrow after a two-week break for the Christmas holidays. And do remember that ministry daily in your praying that God would bless and separate and encourage and just be a protection upon all of our complex upon every student, and that we would know the blessing of the Lord daily upon the ministry in the classroom, that God would watch over us. Remember, please, as we think about all of the outreach that goes on individually, personally, the outreach of our electronic sign at the corner of Nielsen and Finch, and the two stationary signs on Nielsen Road that are giving out the gospel for everyone who drives by. 
If you haven't seen those signs on Nielsen, it might not be your habit to drive down to the church that way. But if you haven't seen them yet, take a drive up during the daytime, of course, and you will see them. And then just pray that the Lord will use them and He will bless His Word to the salvation of people as they drive by and they see them. We're going to sing again, please, to the Lord's praise now. 526. 526. I didn't mention this morning, I intended to, but the offering envelopes, if you have your name and number separated for those, well, they're in the, on the table at the back. I'm sure you've seen them, and most people were buzzing around. You will see the names on the very front of the envelope, a very small sticker, and of course, if you know your envelope number, well, you can get that, but they're not in any order, and so you just have to hunt for them and find out where yours is and make sure you get them if you would like to have them. If you're not using the envelope system per se, uh, but your offerings are sent in via uh, electronic means, well, that's fine. Continue on doing that, and we pray that God would make you. So thank you all for your faithful giving to the work of God throughout all of 2022. And as we start into this new year, and to commit ourselves to the support of God's work on a regular basis, it's so vital and so important to carry on the work that is here. We have finished now the support that was being raised for the Christmas card appeal uh, by next Lord's Day, or perhaps the one after that. When I come back, we'll be able to tell you the amount that has been raised for that, and then we'll be sending that down to our brother Lalo Pena and the work in Cordoba. And I took a picture of the card that was in the foyer, and we'll be sending that down when we send him an email regarding that information. I had one, there's a couple of the daily Bible reading books left, only about two of them. In fact, they may be gone. There were two of them on the table I saw this morning. And if you missed out on that, well, I think most people have them, and I'm so encouraged about that. You make sure you follow along your daily Bible reading and stay in the Word. Don't let yourself be distracted or taken away by anything else. For Nothing's more important than being in the Scriptures and praying, and uh, the Lord will encourage your heart and bless you in that. Number 526, let's stand as we sing this hymn.
Turn now, please, with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and they pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water For the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt? to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river." Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down 
of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we come to this Word tonight, I pray that we will have understanding in the Word that the application of its truth to our hearts will be by the power of the Spirit, and that no believer will miss out on that application. But as we mix the Word with faith, we will be strengthened and we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus We will understand the value of prayer. We will see, O God, this great blessing that has been given to the church, that we can communicate from our hearts to our Lord in heaven. And Father, I pray that we will come face to face with the reality of the power that is at the very hands of every single believer. And that we will not take this lightly. We will see, O God, what You have given to us for the advancement of Your cause, for the advancement of the church of Christ, for the extension of the kingdom, and for the glory and honor of Thy holy name. And that, Father, we might understand how that this great grace and mercy has been given to us so that we will grow, so that we will be strong, so that we will see our enemies defeated. And, Lord, You will do a great and a lasting and a mighty work in us Father, hear our prayer tonight and bless us now. We ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. I want to share with you tonight a message called the undervalued value of prayer the undervalued value of prayer. The importance that we attach to prayer, it will be seen in the value 
that we give to it? What place does it have in our lives? How easily is it sidelined for things we deem to be more important? What priority does the church prayer meeting have in our week's business? As we start a new year, it is a good thing that we reassess, we reevaluate our spiritual development, and we pose to our own hearts some direct questions. Can we, for example, easily get through a day? Can we easily get through a day without calling on the Lord? Do we become earnest with God only when things start going sour in our lives? when things start going wrong? Are we ready to face the unexpected, having prepared ourselves by communion with God at the start of a day? That's an important question because we do not know what a day will bring for any one of us. We do not know what uncertainty lies in front. And therefore, if we set ourselves to go out into a day's activity and work, are we properly prepared for the unexpected that could happen in that day? Now, I grant to you that many of our days may not be filled with unexpected things. Many of our days might go by the plan that we have set for them. Ah, but what about the times when we are suddenly surprised by something that is a shock to us. Have we prepared ourselves sufficiently by waiting upon God and knowing His mind and direction? Have we considered the cost of confronting our great spiritual enemy without first communing with God? As I say all that and present those questions to my own heart, by the way, not just for someone else, I speak to them of my own, and I assess my own heart. I assess my own life as a pastor in the congregation, as one that has been given the responsibility of leadership in spiritual matters in the church. I have many times asked for your prayers for me, for my spiritual development, for the ministry that God has placed upon me, because if I am not going to be able to lead the congregation in spiritual things, well then, I am not doing the ministry that God has called me to do. And I need your prayers on that account. And as I pose these questions to you, I pose them to myself, but I also want to say that how thankful and encouraged I am as a pastor of a congregation of people who I know are earnest before the Lord. What a blessing it was in our pre-service prayer time 
when there was literally standing room only in our fellowship room. There were people gathered in. Many of you were there. And there were young people, there were older people, everyone in between. And we have also just come from this afternoon where our session and board met for an hour of prayer from 4.50 to about 5.50. And there was not enough time for all of our men to pray. There was an earnestness, there was a desire, a seeking of God. And I will tell you, my dear friends, that is the only way that a congregation, a church, will go forward with God if our people are earnest in prayer. And so I want to commend you for that. And I want to thank you for your earnest prayers. I often commend you for your faithful tithing and your giving to the work of God here, giving to the mission work. And I say with those thanksgivings, don't stop doing that. Don't lower it. Always increase the bar. It's always a good thing to do. But thank you for your faithful prayers. But as you all evaluate your own heart, I don't think that there's too many people who would say, yeah, I've reached number 10 when it comes to a scale of 1 to 10 about my prayer life. No one of you are going to say that. Every believer, we look into ourselves and we see great deficiencies. We see great lacking in this area. Well, that's maybe not a bad thing. Because if we thought we were doing everything that was exactly what the Lord wanted, we'd see little room for improvement. But we also as you are earnestly and desiring to seek God, you're doing that because you realize there is value in it. Let us therefore never diminish the value of our praying. Let us never set aside that value. For many times, sadly, it has been undervalued. But when we see the great benefit and blessing that God has given to us, well, we want to see that forward in all of our lives. And believers, a great reason why we must be about the Lord's business in this matter, it is because we are in a battle for truth and for righteousness and for the honor of Jesus Christ in our day. Of course, every preacher in every generation is going to say that, aren't they? Because when you read in church history, you find that in Spurgeon's day, he looked at the apostasy and the compromise and the falling away in his day. He, he saw that there were Christians and believers who were not serving God with all their hearts. He saw that there was compromise coming into the church if you ever have an opportunity to read the downgrade controversy in dealing in the life of Mr. Spurgeon and how he had to deal with the Baptist Union, what was going on in England in his time, and the great warfare against the cause of Christ. So in every time, there is a battle for truth. And when we say that as ministers of the gospel, as we bring that warning to our people, it's real for our day and time. As it was real in Mr. Spurgeon's day, as it was real in Moses' day, the problem that most of us have is that no matter what generation we are in, at heart we are cowards. 
and at heart we would naturally prefer, prefer to desert from our responsibility and the duty that we upon us, and it's very sad but often true. What is the remedy for cowardice? How do we overcome that knowing that we are facing a great enemy in our day? Well, it is by knowing, first of all, that we are standing in Christ Jesus as justified. We have been clothed with His righteousness. The atonement of our Lord Jesus is applied to our lives. And God has declared it, that we are justified fully and freely by His grace. And when we stand in that position and place, and you as a Christian, when we know that Jesus has died, paid the price of our sin, we are before God, seen as righteous as His only begotten Son. That is a very good place to have standing. That is a very good place to know where you are before the Lord. And also to be filled with the Spirit of God, living each day, resting on the unfailing promises of a sovereign Lord. His book, the Word, is full of the promises that are secured for the believer in Christ. And as we have those promises, as we possess them, well, let's make use of them every single day that we live. And of course, preparing ourselves by taking on the armor of God by faith and with prayer, that we will be able and equipped to face the enemy of the day. And this last thought here is by persevering in earnest prayer. This is the equipment that God has given to us. These are gospel truths. And as we have them reinforced in our minds, in our hearts, we will grow and be strong to face whatever comes against us. James Montgomery wrote these words of the hymn that prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that burns within the breast. Does that describe, my dear brother and sister tonight, does that describe your prayer life? Is it that which is burning inside you? It is that the desire to seek God, your sincere and holy desire? I know sometimes why it is not. And because of carnality, because the world has crept in and we have become cold in heart, what is the first thing that goes from a Christian's life? It is prayer. It is the reading of the Scripture. Because as those two things become less important, well, guess what's going to happen? We become cold, lazy, carnally thinking, and we pray that that will not be the case as we go forward in the service of Christ in our day and our time. Now in Exodus chapter 17, Israel had not 
been a long time out of Egypt. They had come to this place called Rephidim. They were thirsty. They began murmuring against Moses because they said they charged him with bringing them out of Egypt with the intention of having them die, having their children die, and having all their cattle die. What a foolish, foolish thing that was for them to say. But that was in their heart. That's what they really considered because they were not thinking spiritually about this. And they tempted the Lord at that time. God told Moses to take his rod that he had used in the miracle of the separation of the Red Sea. And he was to go with the elders of Israel. They were to witness this, and he was to strike the rock. And when he did so, water flowed out abundantly. And so much water that it was enough to supply two million people, all of their cattle. And that water was water that was from miraculously from the Lord. He had given them that water. Moses called the name of that place Tempt and Strife. He didn't call it by the more positive word, water from the rock. No, he looked at the more realistic name for that place because they attempted God there. But the trials for Israel, they were not over. After they had received blessing from the water and the rock, their thirst was quenched. They were now ready to move on again. The very next verse tells us that they were faced with an enemy. And it was an enemy that was a fierce one against them. What do we learn from this account? We learn in the first thought tonight that whether people are praying or whether we are not praying, we have a powerful enemy that is working for our destruction. Beginning of verse 8, we are told, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. The Amalekites were descendants of Esau. Esau, you will remember, the brother of Jacob. Esau had come to Jacob from his time of hunting in the field, and he was extremely hungry. He had not caught anything. And in his great hunger, he came to seek from Jacob some food. And Jacob bartered with him that he would sell him his birthright. And Esau said, well, what use is my birthright if I'm going to die of hunger? And so he, in very careless words, sold him his birthright, and he got food that day. We know in the Scripture that Esau was said to have sold his birthright for a mess of pottage, for a few beans. He was 
despising what God had given to him. He was despising the heritage that God had given to him. He was despising all of the benefits and blessings that had come down to him from the Lord, from Abraham and from Isaac. And he didn't count these spiritual benefits and blessings of any great value. So what did Esau do? He just bartered them away. He despised all of those things, and in so despising them, he despised the God that gave them. The true heart of Esau was being revealed by what he did in selling his birthright before his brother Jacob at that time. Whatever we think about Jacob, and whatever twisting attitude and spirit that he had, that's for another discussion. But Esau himself made it very clear that he cared not for God's things, he cared not for God himself, and he was prepared to cast it all aside. It is interesting that the children of Esau became devoted enemies of God's people from the time of Esau all the way down to Amalek that is before us today, because Amalek, they are direct descendants of Esau. And then you come right down to the days of Christ in the birth of the Lord. For Herod, the king, that called for the destruction and the murder of all those children, he was an Edomite. He was a child of Esau's generation. Now, the meaning of the name Amalek, as we come back to Exodus 17, the meaning of the name is a people that licks up. It's the most common expression. However, this was first applied, perhaps the, the dominance of their character and how they behaved and lived, it would be more fitting for their name because they were a warrior people. They were a merciless people. They were a people who wanted and they took whatever they wanted by force. And so as Amalek came against Israel that day, they knew, Israel did, that this was going to be a fight and a war to the death. You can imagine an army of such soldiers. They would have no compassion. They were not prepared to take any enemies apart from those who they may have taken as slaves. But they faced and they came against Israel at that time. We today, friends, are in a spiritual warfare when Amalek came against Israel, it was another example on the page of history of Satan's attempt to destroy what God had blessed. And the Lord had signally and specifically blessed Israel. Did they deserve the blessing from God? Well, we've already seen how they evidently did not deserve that. One man I heard recently on a talk show said, a strong evidence that the Pentateuch was 
not written by a common Jewish person was because it spoke not favorably of the Jews. For if they had written it, it would have been very a glowing report of how the Jews would have behaved themselves. But here in this situation, they were in a, a great battle. And the battle was and has been from the beginning of the wicked against the righteous. And friends, when we examine what is happening here in this page of history, and we think about what is taking place in our day, that has not changed. The battle of the righteous against the ungodly, that which is motivated from the very beginning by Cain, who slew his brother Abel, the wicked against the righteous, that will continue until the end of time. But the good news for us tonight, the rejoicing news for us, is that no matter how strong the enemy of our souls is, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us and hope to win that battle? And the battle rages against every single Christian who is determined to obey God and determined to serve Him faithfully. And friend, if that is in your heart tonight, if you're saying before God now, Lord, I want to live for You. I want to serve my Savior. I want to live in my generation and make a difference. Then you can be assured that Satan has a mark on you. You can be certain that Amalek is waiting and they will be setting the battle in array. Then came Amalek. Why did they come against Israel at that time? Was it because there was so much water that they had that supplied all of their people and animals? Was it so that they might defeat them and take all of their livestock and others for slavery? Was it because they had such deep-rooted bitterness and hatred that it developed from the days of Jacob and Esau? We don't know the reason, but it hardly matters actually because the fact is their, their intentions were evil. And it was a matter of life and death. It is often the case, you know, that after the people of God have experienced a blessing from the Lord, there is going to be an attack of the devil against us. And as Israel had received a great blessing from the hand of God of the water given to quench their thirst and to take care of them, well, there was around the corner for them a sudden attack. And believer, if you have experienced something from the Lord and He has blessed you in a way, then don't be surprised if just around the corner there is something of an attack that is crouching against you. Will it come tomorrow? Will it come next week, next month? We don't know that timing. But what is important for us is to be ready for such an attack. To be as those who are soldiers on guard 
and waiting and ready. Because as we are in such a spirit, then we will not be surprised by a sudden attack. But what would make us to be surprised? I would say that complacency would make us surprised when the attack would come. If we are somewhat compromised, if we have backslidden away from the Lord, if we are in a state of prayerlessness as Christians, you see, because a prayerless Christian is one that is not ready for that attack that may come. And as we would drift away, we would be wandering away from the centrality of Christ and where the flock is concentrated around Him, and the wolf would come to target those sheep that are just on the outskirts. We want to be very careful that we are walking very close to the Lord. And we ask ourselves, so what type of Christian are we? Are we those who are determined and resolute and unmoved from our position of doing battle with the Amaleks of our day? Or have we, in some respect, deserted the army of God? Amalek may be defined by every demonic force that opposes God and His people, but most of those are outside attacks. The Amalek that we must be most concerned about is the one on the inside. Our own old nature and our flesh. That which hates everything that is godly and good and true. And friend, when we come to do spiritual work for the Lord, we will find that our flesh is resisting us the old man, the old nature that hates things of God is going to be battling against us. Could we not say when we are rejoicing with some great victory and then comes Amalek? And then comes the old flesh rising up inside us, wanting to have the victory, wanting the ascendancy in our life? Let us beware For whether we are a praying people or not a praying people, the enemy that is against us is there no matter what. And therefore, we are exhorted by the Scripture that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Notice in the second place that we must use our spiritual weapon of prayer if we are going to be successful in defeating the enemy. We must use our spiritual weapon. So Moses commanded Joshua to choose out men to fight against the enemy. And while he went to the top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. The rod of God is an important aspect. It's a testimony. And what did it testify of? He testified of God's presence with His servant. The Lord used that rod as an instrument, an indication that God was with Moses. You remember when He first said to Moses in the desert, pick up that rod. And He went to pick it up and He said, throw it down. It became a snake. And then the Lord said, pick it up again. The Lord was showing to him the power, the miracle 
that he was demonstrating and going to make use of through his servant. And so the Lord says, take that rod in your hand, the emblem, the instrument of my presence with you, and go up to the top of the hill. And he told him to take Aaron and to take her with him. So Moses held up his hands toward God. And as he was doing that, and holding up that staff and his hand lifted towards God, it was a symbol of his praying, a symbol of his intercession. This is our greatest weapon. We have a mighty privilege in talking to God the Father. And in that sense, the Lord has told us and given to us this rod of prayer that we are to lift up before our Heavenly Father the urgent need of deliverance, of intervention, of help. Prayer is a great grace, brothers and sisters, that the Lord has given to us. He invites us. He encourages us. He commands us. The Lord pleads with us to call upon Him. And why does He do that? Is it for His good? No. It is for our good. The Lord pleads with us that we will plead with Him so that we will receive the blessing. And the Lord uses prayer, that means of grace, to give to us that which we need in our lives. But we have a problem and the weakness of our flesh we've been thinking about And as Moses' arms became weary and they sunk down, so Amalek advanced and they prevailed. Is not this our deficiency when we become weak in the place of prayer? And what happens? Well, in the Christian's life, when we become weary in well-doing, and weary in our praying, then it's easy for us to be discouraged. It's easy for us to give in to temptation and to become bitter with sharp words. And it seems that all things in our life are not going right. The enemy is attacking on every front because we have lost out. We become weary And sometimes we're given over to wrong views of providence and we look at the hands of God in our life and sometimes we sum up all these things and Amalek has made advances into our our Christian lives. One commentator wrote this. He said, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Ah, but the blessing for Moses that day in the top of that hill is that he was not alone. He had others who were with him. His body became weary, And when that happened, the helpers were not far away. Aaron, who was the high priest, and her, the enabler, 
They were there to assist Him. So who were these people and what were they? Why were they so instrumental? What's significant about them? Well, we know that Aaron was the high priest. And the high priest in the Old Testament was clearly a representation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Aaron the high priest, representative of our Lord Jesus, he was there at the side of Moses. And on the other side was her. And this enabler was a representation of the Spirit of God. And so for us, for Moses in his day, he had the helper of the high priest in his day, and her as they held up the arms of Moses. They were assisting him, and when they did that, Israel prevailed and was able to defeat Amalek completely. John Gill commented, Aaron the priest may represent Christ, from whose blood, righteousness, and sacrifice, and from whose advocacy, mediation, and intercession, the people of God receive much encouragement and strength in their addresses at the throne of grace. And her, who has his name from a word which signifies freedom and liberty, may be an emblem of the Holy Spirit, who helps the saints in prayer under their infirmities, and makes intercession for them by filling their hearts and their mouths with arguments, and is a free spirit to them by whom they are upheld. And where He is, there is liberty. And a soul can come forth in prayer to God and in the exercise of grace and freedom. And all that Mr. Gill was saying emphasizes again that we have help in our times of prayer. Our Lord Jesus is in glory interceding for us. He is praying for His church and His people. And He has given to us the Holy Spirit, the great Comforter. And we are told in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit, the chapter of the Spirit in prayer, that He is able to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Yes, Christ our intercessor, the Holy Spirit our help, and as these two figures are presented for us, ah, dear friends, we are enabled to pray on and to pray through we stand tonight clothed in the authority of our Redeemer. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit living within us. The blessed Trinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit abides within us. Oh, friends, what have we tonight? Do we comprehend and realize the great value and worth that God has given to us the gift of communication with Him? Let us see, therefore, the world and the flesh and the devil defeated through prayer, enabling us to live each day in the victory 
and the glory of Jesus as the Spirit is our helper, helping our infirmities, helping all of our weaknesses. Let us take this great grace from God as a gift. And let us seriously set ourselves to the business and ministry of praying in this new year. God may be magnified, that He will be lifted up, that we will see great things accomplished for Him and for His kingdom in this new year. Well, I close with this tonight. The certainty of victory. We can take great courage tonight because just as God gave the victory to Israel. He made for them a tremendous promise. For God told Moses to write in a book what had happened. And He told Moses, rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. Because don't forget, Joshua was out in the battlefield. He didn't see all that was going on with Moses, Aaron, and her. And God said, Joshua must know this. So you write this down and you give it to Joshua and you rehearse this truth in his ears because the reason why Amalek was defeated was not because Joshua did something great. It wasn't because Israel had great prowess on the military field. They did not. It was God who gave them the victory. And Joshua, don't you ever forget that. Because Joshua at that time was a younger man. And he had a great thing that was going to happen yet in front of him many years down the road. He was going to lead Israel into the land of Canaan. And he was going to go in front of leading the armies of Israel again. And Joshua had to remember the day of Amalek. And how that victory was assured And it wasn't Joshua because of you or your greatness. It wasn't because of Israel and their power. And let us remember, believers, tonight that as we go forward in the service of Christ, we can't depend upon past victories. We can't read the biologies, biographies rather, of people in the past and say, oh, we'll rejoice with them and see great victory in our day. It will only be accomplished by God working in us and through us. And we will see that victory in prayer. The church of God must go forward on our knees in prayer. It will not happen any other way. It will not happen by slick programs. It will not happen by fancy music. It will not happen by having a CEO who is the top 500 of companies leading the ministry. It's not going to be by any of those things, friends. If this work is going to go forward to do anything for God, it is going to be by God's people on their face before the Lord in prayer seeking for His power and for His strength in our lives individually and in the work of God collectively. 
And apart from that, there won't be anything. Let us take courage tonight and take comfort that we know our Savior is praying for us. We know the Holy Spirit is our divine helper. We know that our spiritual victory will be advanced through prayer. Our Lord did not say men ought always to plan and organize to administer, but He did say that we are to be busy about the matter of intercession. Prayer is the Lord's way to advance His work because it shows our dependence upon Him and not on ourselves. And we must be reminded of that continually. Therefore, let us be encouraged that this God-given spiritual weapon is ours, and it is given to us to use freely, fully, and for God's good and glory. You know, friend, there's not going to be a situation where the Lord says to us, you've been praying a bit too much this week. I want you to take a break. The Lord's not going to say, stop praying unless there is some sin in the camp. And then there's no point praying until the sin is confessed and put right. But as we want to go forward in the joy and blessing and honor and faithfulness of a godly Christian walk, and as we do, the Lord has promised He will hear and He will answer and His name will be lifted up. Friend, if you're not a believer tonight, here or listening in the service, and I exhort you to call upon Christ. Make Him your Savior tonight. Begin a life of prayer by calling on Jesus to save your soul. For that prayer He will answer and the beginning of many prayers in a life that is devoted unto Him. Let's close our service tonight by singing number 675. It's a hymn about prayer. Approach my soul, the mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer. There humbly fall before His feet, for none can perish there. Stand please to sing.
bleed and die to bear the cross and shame that guilty sinners such as I might plead Thy gracious name. And all friends tonight, as we have that name that is above every other name, there's no other name that we plead before God in prayer. It is on the ground and the merit of what our Lord has done for us. And we have the full and free access to God, and He will not turn us away. He will always bid us welcome into His holy presence. Just before we sing this final verse, Brother Diderno, going to get you to come to the pulpit. You can close our meeting tonight in prayer uh, just as we're singing this final verse. Let's sing verse 5. standing for closing prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again, O Lord, that we are truly found in Thy presence. We thank You, Lord, for Thy Word. And Lord, we are able to confess to Thee the weakness of the flesh. The Lord, that we can see as Moses did lift up the staff, that there were those that were helping him And Lord, we pray that Thou would make this church a praying church. Lord, we pray that Thou would revive us again. And Lord, would it be Thou desire to see souls saved. Bless the minister in this church. Bless the members. And Lord, may we not leave this place without knowing that spiritual power from above, not through the efforts of man, not through the efforts of the church, But we can truly say that God is working here in this place. Dismiss us with thy blessing. And Lord, we pray that we would leave and encourage people here tonight, knowing that thou hast met with each and one of us. Be with us, we ask, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.